in the end, it's all about the value that you bring for your client, especially when you do consultative uh, uh, work like like us. Um, if you can't bring the value, then you know you're gonna have a conflict at one point. And you can only bring value, I feel, for people that you like, that you believe in, um, that you have a, you know a connection with. Um, you know, try to convince someone you don't like. Uh, you know, you know if, I don't know if you, if you know someone you don't like, try to convince them to do something. They will never listen to you anyway. So you know, it needs to it needs to be all aligned. And I and that's what I really like. So it's very cliche, but that's when they say it becomes more than work. You know, it's true. Like it becomes a, a bit of a passion, and you see people, you really see the impact that they're having, and um, and that's really cool. Also. Hey! We are back for another episode of Hospitable. My name is Rob Napoli. I'm your host. And I'm here today with our guest, Ruben Westmeyer. Yeah, Getting close, the, the Dutch <laughs> pronunciations. <laughs> um, and Ruben has been working in partnerships and indirect sales for over 10 years. He is the CRO and co-founder of Bond Agency, which is an experienced team that combines direct and indirect um, channel partnerships and, and sales and content creation and marketing. and so Ruben and I were just talking pre-show in my previous life. I ran a growth agency as well. Uh, so it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I thought it'd be kind of fun, you know, Ruben, to talk a little bit about trends we headed into 2024 on content, on channel, on sales. What should we be looking for uh, and how brands need to align themselves in the market for 2024 as the, the market continues to move and change uh, so that brands can be relevant, especially when we look at the hospitality space. You have large, big brands with big budgets like Marriott and IHG, and then you have so many independent hoteliers and boutiques and things like that. So how do they become uh, aware as a brand? How do they attract new audiences, new people to come and, and, and you know visit the hotel? So I figured that's where we can start um, today. Yeah. But Ruben, why don't you um, let the listeners know a little bit about your background and how you came to um, you know, co-found Bond Agency? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started. I studied tourism management when I was uh, when I was uh, a long time ago. When I was young, still, uh, and then uh, so I always had a love of, uh, for travel and hospitality. Started working there, um, but found my sweet spot really in uh, you know in in creating relationships, uh, and then particularly B two B. I love B two B, and you know the 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 things with partnerships and channel sales and all of these things, which I really really like to do. Is that it's it's sales, but it's not direct sales. So you have this, you know, momentum that you build, um, that you create a relationship over time, and then you're compounding basically the results of that um, over the year on the longer term. And um, that's something really interesting for me. Um, it's a long-term strategy, so you're in it for the long uh, for the long term. And um, I was doing this for different uh, different type of companies, first in tourism, then in hospitality, then in hospitality tech. Um, and, um, yeah, after, you know, the pandemic, the whole, uh, hospitality world got, uh, you know, upside down. So there was actually a perfect opportunity for, for me and my, um, current fiance, uh, to start Bond agency, um, where we are helping hospitality tech companies specifically to, to grow through partnerships, um, but also through branding and, uh, and helping them. So the growth agency is really like growth in, in, in the broadest, um, sense of the word. Amazing. So you started in tourism, you know, and then you got it, got into the sales world. And, and, and as you kind of looking at these things, building relationships, when you were thinking about getting into, you know, working at different companies, starting out thing, what led you to want to be an entrepreneur and really say, you know, 
let's go. Because in your past, you know, you've worked as head of channel sales in the hospitality space. You've uh, been a partnership manager in, in yeah. the hotelier space. Like, what led you to say finally, like, you know what, I want to step away from working in an yeah. organization and step into starting something on my own? Well, it, you know, it all starts with an idea. I think like I have been thinking about doing um, like doing my own business on my own before, uh, but I just didn't have the right idea and the right circumstances. Um, and there was always like a better offer in terms of growth and in terms of development and, and developing myself and my skills within an organization. And now it was just the time, you know, I was I was ready for it. I felt it. I had the great idea. I knew it was going to work. I had the network. Um, I had a bit of a time pressure also. I really had to make it work within like within three months. I really had to, to, to sign my first client. Otherwise, I would have been like in a bit of a financial um, uh, hassle. So it was like all the elements that were there. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, and and yeah. you know, in, I think in one and a half months, we, we signed our first client. Um, and they, they really helped us, you know, and it's amazing to get that feeling and that confidence of people like, okay, I'm going to pay you to do this. Um, and that's, yeah, that's when I really got hooked. I was like, okay, I, I'm never going to go back to, to work for a boss again, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, one could say you do kind of work for a boss since you co-founded, um, yeah. with your, with your current, yeah, I love how you said my current fiance. Um, yeah. Earlier, I, I I don't know if that uh, if that's the current or if that's the forever. <laughs> well, hopefully, she will bring my wife at one point. You know. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's funny because um, I was actually talking to somebody the other day about you know it starts out you know how your your title of your partner changes and like remembering to say hey change yeah. with that as you talk about it and also in business sense right like starting a business with your significant other. And your partner is uh, can be amazing, but also um, quite a challenge um, yeah. as you are building both professional and business, um, professional and personal together alongside each other. But you know, it's super cool to see how this evolution happens when you think about working in channel sales and having worked for some of the brands that you've worked for in the past. You know, really launching into this new this new world. What were some of the things that you learned about being you know head of channel sales and working in the space? Just, just working in that space into, you know, what you're doing today, running your own business, and how has that shaped maybe um, your business strategy? Yeah, a lot, you know, like, but it, it also is because our business is uh, channel sales and partnerships, so that's really what you know what we help our clients to understand and to successfully implement and um, uh, and execute. So, I think. Everything I, I'm doing today, I learned um, within the different companies. I was doing channel sales or partnerships before, um, and it wasn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't always aware of that, you know, doing it uh, back then. But now I can see that I really, you know, developed myself, and also with the help of, you know, everybody uh, who, who was my manager, who was my boss, who, you know, who helped me, uh, yeah, create better skills in that sense in channel sales and partnerships. Um, yeah, they made me who I am today. And that really, you know, I do business also as I as I do partnerships. So I, I do a lot of things on uh, on, on trust, uh, on my gut feeling. Um, I want to have clients that um, that I feel comfortable with and that I have a, an aligned vision as well. Because in the end, it's all about the value that you bring for your client, especially when you do consultative uh, uh, work like like us. Um, if you can't bring the value, then you know you're gonna have a conflict at one point. And you can only bring value, I feel, for people that you like, that you believe in, 
um, that you have, a, you know, a connection with. Um, you know, try mm -hmm. to convince someone you don't like. Uh, you know, you know, if I don't know if you, if you know someone you don't like, try to convince them to do something. They will never listen to you anyway. So you know, it needs to it needs to be all aligned. And I and that's what I really like. So it's very cliche. But that's when they say it becomes more than work, you know, it's true. Like it becomes mm -hmm. a, a bit of a passion and you see people, you really see the impact that you're having. And um, and that's really cool also. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, let's get into the growth marketing side of things, right? Uh, the growth outbound. So we talk about some of the trends for, you know, 2024. And one that I think is very interesting is in, I think it was 20. 2019-2020, there's about 34% of B2B um, marketers were using influencers. But as of today, as we head into 2024, 85% of companies are using B2B, uh, are using influencers in the B2B space, right? And and I think there's a large number of people that believe influencer marketing is a strategy worth investing in. How have you seen that kind of with what you're doing with your clients and, and working on channel sales and different things? Are, is, is influencer marketing something you are talking about? How have, have you seen that as a trend as we head into 2024? Yeah, no, it's absolutely a trend, but we always have to fight uh, against uh, the image of the influencer, right? So it's, it's you know, when we speak about influencers, we think about uh, the guy or girl sitting on the beach uh, drinking and promoting brands on, on, on Instagram. Well, actually, like the influencer marketing or the influencer growth strategy, it's, it's so important and it has been going on for so many years, but it's changing. So... We, we can see that um, there's actually a really cool uh, like company. They are, they are basically creating this new concept called Nearbound. I'm not sure if you heard about this, but you basically have inbound, outbound, and nearbound. And that's basically activating your, um, you know, uh, your circle of, of people that you know and that your client knows um, to, to start pushing your, your product. Um, and this is super, super interesting approach because there are actually so many people that your, or your client, your future uh, clients, that they are already in touch with. And if you know how to reach them, they can influence their, you know, their clients, um, your future client, uh, just because they already have this relationship. So if you know how to leverage that, if you know where to find these people, um, and if you bring the value towards them as well, then you got a really killer strategy because it, it means that you don't have to do so much annoying outbound sales you don't have to pester your your future clients with you know calls with emails and stuff like nobody wants to to receive that anyway i'm not saying it doesn't work because i really believe in the outbound strategy for sure um but i think the the nearbound strategy or the partnership strategy it's it's just it's a really really effective way of of, um, of growing um and I just want to say one thing as well, because I think partnerships is also evolving into this into this thing. Because partnerships has been, you know, either it's either integration partners, it's either your referral partners, it's a reseller network that you build up, uh, uh, you know, on on the course of years. While actually now everything is coming together, and it's not just you know um, one type of partner anymore. Like the partner program yeah. is is really evolving into a network and an ecosystem of of different people, solutions, companies that will help you to grow. Yeah, and I find it interesting because especially this nearbound, and I want to get into this a little bit more because, it, and I, I do agree with the influencer, right? The word influencer has a negative connotation now, and. You see a lot of brands using brand evangelists, right? Um, yeah. And and that's because and it's built because of the partner network. And I think this ties into that whole nearbound strategy of 
Outbound is great, and I'll still propose that every company should do outbound to a to yeah. a degree, especially uh, young companies, right? And the fact that you still need to get eyeballs into the network in some way, shape, or form. But outbound, where to direct outbound is not a fifteen minute call or twenty minute demo, right? It's yeah. where do you want the eyeballs to come in to see and, and connect as a lead, whether that's connecting to a certain content piece, whether it's a lead capture, whether that's watching a video, right? It's taking eyeballs into driving eyeballs directly where you want it to be to understand what you do and how you do it better. To get into your network, i.e. into your LinkedIn, so they can see what you're posting. And over time, when the timing is right, actually want to potentially work with you or buy from you or partner with you. This is where that nearbound strategy becomes so tight. If you can bring on certain key partners in your network and, and utilize them properly and have them help you amplify messaging, opens up so many doors in a way that you don't actually realize because most of us as humans... We scroll on our phones all the time, right? We're lurkers. We we purposefully lurk on content and not activate, not activate it, not do anything with it until the time is right. Until I have to buy something, then I'm looking through who do I know, right? And so yeah. I love this idea of, of nearbound and how to leverage it. And I think that's really cool. That's something that y'all are uh, highly targeting and 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 you know partner networks. And so as as you work with clients and we think about the space, how do you build a partner network? How do you go out and put together meaningful relationships with partners, whether it's resellers, integrators, um, et cetera. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all about value. So, um, you know, you have to align yourself. So there are a few, there are a few key things that you need to do before you start a new relationship. First of all, you need to manage your expectations. So you need to know what you're getting into you as, as the, the one who wants to start the partnership, but also the partner, obviously. And it just needs to be clear. What do you expect from your partner? Like, I think too many, too many companies, they make the mistake of being like too vague and they don't want to be too pushy at the start. Like, okay, you know, maybe we can start like this or like that. And we don't expect too much from you. But no, like as a partner, you want to know, okay, am I expected to deliver uh, 50 leads uh, or per year or per month? You know, like these things have to be really clear from the start. And if you get those expectations right, then um, uh, what you really need to think about is what is my uh, value for my partner? And so we work with a lot of tech companies and obviously the value proposition for their clients, they nailed it. You know, they have uh, agencies working on that. They spend a lot of money in, in crafting those beautiful one-liners um, to make sure that the value is clear in one instant. But then when they start working with partners, they forget about, totally forget about this. They think that this, this is the same value for partners, which is totally wrong. If you want to bring value for your partners, it means, okay, we can actually help you accelerate the growth of your company by promoting yeah. our product. Um, we can, uh, you know, increase the impact of your services by adding a technology or a functionality that you didn't have before. Like there are so many different values that you can think of, but you have to to specify it to the partner that you're working with, and that's what a lot of companies do forget. And um, this is what we help them with, actually, you know, to to make sure that they take the that our clients take those first steps um, and define that. Think about that. Also think about a partner profile. What is the type of partner that you want to work with? You know. Hopefully, this is going to be a long-term uh, relationship that you that you will start to build. So, you know, better find partners that you feel comfortable with, that you like, that you can have a drink with, that you can have a laugh with, you know, um, and feel feel comfortable. So, that partner profile, not in terms of okay, they are in this market and they are serving this uh, type of clients, but also okay, what is their vision? How do they see hospitality? What do they think of tech? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is their experience like? You know, talk with them first as a human and as a as a as a as, as someone that you want to get to know before you think about okay, this is someone I can partner with. 
Yeah. I think that's really important because understanding where value creation is, is huge. And so many, it's really easy to see fake perceived value, but what is actual value? Like what can we actually do together? What are the things that we can collaborate on and where that actually drives forward and understanding partner profile and true value is huge. Uh, It's something that I think a lot of companies don't do well because you get really excited about potential opportunity and it's it's single focus on this one opportunity versus yeah. long-term long-term value and conversation and partners so i love i love that you know i'm also just thinking about you know your your background into how you got to where you are today you've, you've been able to travel a lot and and be uh around the world uh in different parts of your career and your life how has traveling um affected or help you grow as an entrepreneur? How has that opened your eyes to the work that you're doing today? And do you think that travel has a huge impact on how we view creating valuable partnerships globally? Yeah, for sure. What I love is to, you know, to work with people from different backgrounds and cultures. And this is something, this is also the reason why I started, studied and started working in, in tourism, you know, like I was so excited about just travel the world and be with like working with people from, from different backgrounds and just have different influences also on me and my daily life. And um, so I'm, I'm from the Netherlands originally and I, I used to live there until I was 30, 31. And then I really got like this bug and I said, okay, I need to get out of here. And luckily the, the company I used to work uh, for back then was Muse. They offered, they had like a position in their London office. So I could go there uh, and build my, uh, my partnership team. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is what I've been missing. I just want to like, you know, not even only travel, but also live in a place which is completely different uh, as my home uh, hometown. And, you know, to have all these experiences uh, from yeah, meeting these different people and working in international teams and just, you know, starting to notice cultural differences, even if it's like, you know, uh, the, the English compared to French or the Dutch compared to Belgium, there are these tiny differences that you already notice. And that, that's what I yeah. think is really cool because every time you have a different type of strategy and oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to speak with a Belgian, so I have to be a bit more patient and stuff like that. And okay, I'm going to speak with a Dutch guy. Now I can be super direct and quick. Um, so yeah, those, those, I think that's the most important thing for me, uh, traveling, visiting places in the world. Um, yeah, the people, you know, and, the, and, and their culture and the way of doing things. It's super interesting to, to get to know. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And, and obviously, for those that listen to the podcast, you probably have heard of a company called Muse. And uh, we had, we got, you know, I had the opportunity to interview uh, Richard Walter. Um, yeah, that was cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's kind of fun, uh, you know, knowing that you know, having had that opportunity to go and grow with an organization really opens up your eyes. And it's something that you know, I, I moved from the Midwest to Italy, Italy to New York. Um, and, and the places in between. So getting to see, I, I totally feel you when you when you talk about those um, cultural differences and understanding. And I think when you're building partnerships and you're and you're looking at creating true value, understanding those 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 differences and understanding how and what value means to uh, different people opens up so many doors. So that's super super cool and exciting. Yeah, so there's a big conversation that happens in business right now around AI, right? And using generative AI to replace things. How have you leveraged AI or seen AI or talked about AI 
with potential partners as you're, you know, being a growth agency, right? I'm sure this is something that gets discussed a lot. What are some of the things that you're hearing, seeing, and, and doing with with AI tools? Yeah, of course they're using it. Um, like I think everybody uh, uses ChatGPT just to test things. And I had this one thing that I wanted to, I wanted to um, like create like a pitch deck, uh, you know, for for our company for investors. Totally like uh, like you know not real, but I just wanted to see how that worked in in the, in the ChatGPT, and uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. You know, you put you put your uh, your input there and, and what it what it uh, puts out it's it's really uh, eye opening and you're like wow it's it's so quick so um, I think uh, the future for you know in terms of AI is like if you master AI and you know how to work with it 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 will not be a threat to your work um, you know you just have to be one of those really skilled people and preferably like one of the first people who really know how to use uh, AI and make and make it. Um, make it add value to your work like make it better so that the services and and the output of your work actually becomes uh, much better as it was before and if you know how to do that then you won't be replaced you know it's i always like compare it a little bit with an artist um of course you can you can create uh, art through ai but the the you know if you yeah the artist is the soul you know why they do it so if you still have that also as a as a consultant or whatever like you know, it doesn't matter what your job is, but if you're really passionate about it and you use the tools to to create a better output, um, then you'll be always 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 on the winning side. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because I think AI is, is going to help us in a lot of ways, and it can definitely reduce some things off our plate. But I don't think it's ever going to take take over fully. Um, and I think as we look at it from how you just said, like leveraging those tools to be to work for you and work with you. If you could do that, it changes the game. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people using Genome AI to respond to LinkedIn requests and to use it as part of their outbound strategy. And it's like, great, pull that back a level a little bit because you can tell when it's like fake body, yeah. stock, fluffy answers. Like, we ever put anything into ChatGPT, um, while you get really great information, if you ask it to write something for you, it's really fluffy. It's a lot of very... Yeah big action verbs like you have to make it human because it's sometimes it doesn't come across as human and so i think there's still a lot to be learned but i think if you're going to utilize it building your brand and reaching out and connecting to make sure to take a second to spot check it and make it human yeah for sure actually it ties in also a bit with what you asked earlier like you know the type of clients that that you know we we like to work with it's also the people who appreciate that you know who appreciate the fact that we put in our 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 experience and our, our knowledge and our human side. But, you know, of course we can use AI to create things and to, you know, to, to be quicker and, and, and to be more efficient for sure. But I, I just want to work with companies that appreciate the, you know, that part as well. That, you know, and of course you will have companies going, uh, you know, if they want to do a new branding, for example, or a new website or whatever, or they, they need to design a new logo, they will use AI themselves. Okay, that's fine. You know, it, it's there, and if you if you think that that's a really good work, then you should definitely do it. But I know for sure that there are a lot of companies out there who still appreciate, you know, the the extra layer uh, of professionalism and stuff that is being used before you use AI uh, by by companies who've actually done or people who have done it for many many years and who have done different things and have the experience actually to to pull it off. So I hope that uh, you know there there will be. 
uh, enough companies in the future as well to to keep appreciating that and to just uh, make sure that um, you know that experience is being used and that professionalism and that uh, that expertise. Yeah, I love that. So if you look at twenty twenty four, what is the one kind of trend that you're excited about, or what is one thing that you're looking forward to, like learning or doing in twenty twenty four? By I think it it has to do with AI still. But the fact, what I'm really curious to see is if, um, you know, there are companies out there, tech companies that have been working and building their own AI technology, right? So they have been doing this for many, many years, actually, like with machine learning and, and, you know, they come now to a point where their AI is really, really good. And then you have, obviously, a lot of tech companies that use the APIs of like open API or open AI and, and so like pre-built solutions and, and use, the, um, use those engines. And I would, I'm really curious to see where it goes. If like these companies who've actually been building their own AI technology, if they would be able to, you know, start selling or like implementing their technology into existing um, uh, solutions, where their uh, the output of their AI will be, if it's if it's going to be much better as uh, as compared to the standard uh, solutions like OpenAI and stuff. And I'm just curious to see that battle where it's going, and if if these companies also realize that they're actually sitting on something really valuable, which is this custom-made AI tool with machine learning and very specialized. I saw an amazing tool lately where they do um, AI on on reviews, basically, so you can answer um, uh, using that, and it was so cool because you could like customize it totally to your um, you know your tone of voice. It would recognize a lot of like recurring issues, but would respond every time in a different way and like it was so um, customizable, and I thought, like, yeah, I don't think you can get that the, that you can get to that level with these standard solutions. So, yeah, I'm really curious about that, like to see a bit the the battle of AI, basically standardized uh, mm-hmm. against um, uh, custom made. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be super interesting to see what happens, and that's definitely a fun trend um, to look to. You know, I think for me, one of the things that I I'm really interested in next year. AI is a big topic, and we're looking at how to do some cool stuff with AI ourselves internally here at Omniboost. Um, yeah. But with with um, events are coming back in a big way, right? For a while, events shut down. There's a lot of conversation about um, there's not as much value in events and things like that. But I think what you're seeing is that events will continue to be super big next year. The fact that more targeted, less these big, big, huge events where it's just like craziness and really thinking about what are more focused events and to see what the industry and what industries will do with kind of events and, and curating really highly valuable. We talked a lot about value this episode, really highly valuable events and how to leverage kind of being in person and utilizing those in-person moments to yeah. drive the fact that we can have global connections and Zoom calls and um, do business globally. So how do we leverage those in-person experiences to create meaningful, deep relationships that drive bigger long-term value? I'm really excited to see how that plays itself out because everyone thinks about the big, you know, the, the big events like our web summits and um, collisions and yeah. slush, but seeing all those kind of like more targeted middle-sized um, events and see how that's going to be leveraged next year um, yeah. by really cool companies. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think uh, one more thing. Um, 
But what I what I hope will, will be a trend actually next year is that uh, like the leverage of data, you know, and especially like hotels, like hoteliers, they have so much data actually at their fingertips. But with the uh, with the amount of uh, like technology solutions out there, and like the uh, I wouldn't say siloed, but you know, because like most of the uh, um, uh, integrate like are integrated most of the solutions. However, still, like, it's not always clear where to find what data and really, like, how to make it really actionable, you know? And I think that's yeah. that's still a thing that a lot of people, like, a lot of hoteliers, they move to a new uh, cloud-based PMS and they think, okay, now we have all this data sitting here. We can do so many things about it. But then, actually, they are not really used, utilizing it because it's still very static data that they, for sure, maybe they do a weekly report or whatever, but I think that it's going to be really cool to see certain solutions coming on the market where, um, first of all, you can you can really manage that data in a in a very uh, fluid way. So it's always like up to date. You, you you capture all these different points uh, along the whole customer journey or the guest journey. But then, um, how can you use that data? And how can you like really you know put that put that to use for you as a hotelier to to make sure that you you provide a better experience. You you make them come again. And stuff like that and i think there are now you know some of the solutions coming out there but yeah we need to get rid of that static data still because it's still really static i feel yeah well that's really interesting that's why i bring up you know kind of ai the events how we look at next year like yeah. there's a lot of companies sitting on static data and there's a lot of companies that make changes based on data but don't realize how to leverage it and yeah. it's really interesting that's obviously what Omnibus does is we help people leverage data we help data unification and it's really interesting that you make that point is that so many companies also have a lot of data that they just never use. And yeah. it sits there and they don't understand how to leverage that data. And so that is something that for next year, I think companies really need to know and understand how to best utilize data to create value. And yeah. what you're sitting on and what you have, it's, it's not always like, we don't always need to chase the next thing. It's sitting back and looking at what do we have and how do we leverage? And that's something that will be really interesting to see what companies step up next year. Um, especially hoteliers, we think about these hoteliers, they want to grow and they want to create and they want to have more people there utilizing this data to to really attract that ideal customer, getting people in, more pictures, more things, and, and getting that brand awareness um, really yeah. shared out to the world. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's going to be really interesting to see that. And yeah, data, you need, you need to use it. And I would advise any hotel company, basically also like hire a data geek, you know, like hire someone who, who loves it, who goes through all of your data that you actually have and just find super creative ways and find new KPIs and like, you know, and say, did you know that we can actually see this? And then, you know, let, let them blow your mind because sometimes you do things a certain way for a few years or even when you just change, okay, we set up some weekly reports and then you're going to look at those reports every week and it's the same kind of information. It's never going to really add any benefits or any value to how you you um, are operating your hotel and, and how you are adding value to your guests. And, you know, sometimes just a, an extra set of eyes from someone that you don't expect it and who goes in there and just creates these new KPIs and, think, yeah, blows your mind. Like, oh, I didn't even know we had that. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't make those conclusions with the data that we have. And you can. Like, there's so much data in, a, in any PMS. There's so much data. So start utilizing it, for sure. Yeah. I love that. Start utilizing data. Most companies fail to utilize the right data. I think that is um, a great point to end on. Um, Ruben, yeah. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, 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 and you know chopping it up. Where can our listeners find you? How they get in touch with you? How do they learn more about Bot Agency? 
Yeah, so we have a website, obviously, <laughs> bondagency.ai. Uh, sorry, .ai. .io. Okay, scratch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a website, uh, uh, bondagency.io. Um, you can find everything that we do there, our services, but also a bit more information about us. Uh, and um, uh, if you want to send us an email, hi at bondagency.io. So perfect. That's where we can be found. Awesome. I'll make sure to have that linked into the show notes. So you're just going to yeah, click nice. it. Um, get in touch. Uh, Ruben, looking forward to seeing continued growth and hopefully seeing you next year when I swing through um, over to Lisbon. Um, and, and grab a beer yeah. with you in person, but I appreciate you jumping on. Um, thank you so much. Have a wonderful holiday season and talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Rob. And uh, have a good holiday too. And let beer stand. It's a deal in Lisbon. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Also, the listeners, thank you so much. Be a tier one. Do all the things like subscribe, rate, review, all those things help grow the podcast. Let us know if there's anything you would love to, to talk about, guests they think should be on the show, so on and so forth. Until then, um, See you next time. Ciao. Ciao.